to talk about worship. And more specifically, I want to use these psalms that we're going to consider to talk about our gathered worship on Sunday mornings. And more specifically, I want to use the psalms to talk about the shape, the order of our worship on a Sunday morning, what we call liturgy. We're going to consider the four basic movements of our worship service. Uh, This week will kind of be a little bit of a a larger picture view. And then in the following four Sundays, we'll consider the basic four movements of our worship service. And I want us to do this for a couple of reasons. One reason is that our gathered worship is the most important thing we do as a church. It is central to who we are as a community. It is central and vital to who you are as a Christian. If you are a believer in Jesus, it is essential to your life as a follower of Jesus, gathering with his people to worship him. That's reason one. Reason two, my conviction is that the shape of our worship on Sunday should be the shape of your life throughout the week if you are in Jesus. That what we do here should shape how you live in response to God on a daily basis. Now we'll flesh that out as we go, but I want you to join me as we begin uh, this series in Psalm 131. I'm going to read the whole thing for us. It shouldn't take too long. (laughs) Hear now the word of the Lord. O Lord... My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now as we come to this brief song that you have given to us? Would you remind us that as we come to these words, you are speaking. Your voice is here. Your heart, your will, your desires for us are expressed here. Your character and your actions are given to us in the scriptures. And we find them even here in these few words that we've just read. Would you not only remind us of that, would you then enable us to listen? To realize that it takes more than the physical capacity of receiving sound, but it takes a heart that has been made soft by your Holy Spirit to receive these words and to be shaped by them, to have them transform us. Would you, would you do that by your Spirit this morning as we listen? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Opening presence is a learned skill. And here's what I mean. If you hand a one-year-old a colorfully wrapped package, 
he or she will not really know what to do with that. But she will learn very quickly what to do with that. We experienced that with our youngest son, Sam, this year. In his birthday and at Christmas time. He, in the past couple of years, when we've had those events, hasn't known what to expect. He hasn't been prepared for the fun of opening presents, and that all changed this year. When he walked out of his room on Christmas morning, his eyes lit up and he squealed with delight as he saw those colorfully wrapped packages. Why? Because he's been trained. He's been prepared. He knows what to expect. He has been prepared for the joy of opening presents. I think we need something similar to happen to us in relationship to worship. We need to be prepared for encountering God in worship. We need to be made ready for this experience, for this practice. Whether it's gathering on a Sunday morning as the church, whether it's sitting down with our with a Bible or in prayer in personal worship, or whether it's simply waking up every morning needing to know how to live in response to God, we need to be prepared for worship. We need to know how to be ready to receive God's gifts and respond to Him with gratitude. And Psalm 131 can help us. Psalm 131 teaches us how to be ready for worship. This song is a part of a cycle of songs called the Psalms of Ascent. They begin in Psalm 121. And the Old Testament people of God, they used these songs, they sang them as they traveled to Jerusalem every year to celebrate the major Jewish festivals. And so these are songs of worship. But they also are songs of preparation for worship. They help prepare God's people to worship Him, to celebrate who He is and what He has done. And so I want us to come to this little song, this brief poem that is not only a, an expression of worship, but is, it, it helps us prepare for worship. And I want us to learn how to be ready to worship God. Two basic instructions here from Psalm 131. Prepare for worship by accepting limits and by accepting love. Prepare for worship by accepting limits and accepting love. First of all, limits. Prepare for worship by accepting limits. This song opens with three negative statements. Heart not lifted up. Eyes not raised too high. Mind not occupied with things too great and too marvelous. And we need to think carefully about what the psalmist is saying no to. We need to think about what he is negating when he says these negative statements. Because this is not a statement of anti-intellectualism. The psalmist is not saying, I have to shut my brain off in order to worship God. He is not saying that, I, that he has stopped 
thinking, that he has stopped asking questions, that he has not, that he has stopped being curious. That would be antithetical to the rest of the book of Psalms and the rest of Scripture. The Bible and the Christian tradition are full of hard questions and intellectual curiosity. I saw one of those silly inspirational posters this week that said, Think less and pray more. No, not the point here. The Bible encourages us to do a lot of both. Thinking and praying. It does not oppose those things. And we should not oppose those things. This psalm is not opposing thinking and worship. What the poet sings about is limitations. He sings about the limits of our understanding. He is saying there is much that we can know. There is much that we can understand. But there is also an edge. There is an edge beyond which our knowledge and understanding cannot go. That is true of all reality. And it is especially true of the reality of God. He has revealed much about himself in creation and in his word. But there is an edge There is a boundary beyond which our knowledge cannot go. His wisdom, his might, his understanding far exceed our own. And we will not be able to worship him unless we can accept those limitations. Unless we can embrace the boundary Beyond which our knowledge cannot go. We, if we are going to worship God, we must humble ourselves before the mystery. Before the mystery of who He is. God, He is within our reach, but He is beyond our grasp. He is within our reach, but He is beyond our grasp. We must have what St. Augustine One of the great intellectuals of history called a learned ignorance. A learned ignorance with God. That there is much that we can know and understand about Him and His ways, but there's a limit, there's a boundary, there's an edge. And if we are going to be prepared to worship Him, we have to learn to embrace That edge. We must learn to humble ourselves before the mystery. Because in worship, we come to one that we cannot fully understand and we certainly cannot control. I think it's Annie Dillard who said when we come to worship, we shouldn't wear pretty hats, we should wear crash helmets. Because we encounter an uncontrollable. God. Listen, here's a piece of wisdom. Limitations are gifts. Learn to receive them. And most especially learn to receive the limitations of encountering the mystery of who God is.
There is joy and freedom in that humility. That ability to be able to encounter mystery and not try to grab hold of it. Fully understand it. Manage it. There is joy and freedom in that. It's the joy of the Apostle Paul, another great mind. And in his letter to the Romans, he wrestles with some of the most difficult and complicated questions about who God is and how God has done his work in history. And he comes towards the end of that letter. He gets to chapter 11 and he finally throws up his hands. And he says words that we sing often. We'll sing later in in this service. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. How unknowable his paths. Who can know the mind of God? Can you be his counselor? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. If we're going to worship God, we have to join Paul. and We have to join this psalmist beyond the edge of our understanding beyond the edge of our control we must humble ourselves in the face of mystery but as human beings and particularly as American human beings we recoil from that edge we do not like limits I don't like limits We do not like being told you can go this far with your knowledge, with your understanding, but no further. We don't enjoy mystery of this kind that reminds us how limited we are as human beings. So if we have to embrace these limits in order to prepare to worship God, why would we want to worship God in the first place? Well, I think the answer to that is in a second preparation for worship. We prepare for worship not only by accepting limits, but also by accepting love. There's a beautiful balance in this poetry between negative and positive. The poet says, I will not arrogantly attempt to exceed my limitations. What's the positive alternative? What does he offer as a positive alternative? Well, it's this remarkable image. The image of a baby, an infant, who has been fed and changed and burped and swaddled and held close by his mother, ready for sleep. That's the alternative. It is a tangible picture, not just of begrudging resignation, but contentment, satisfaction, rest. The poet says that's how I relate to God. That's how I'm ready for worship. That's how I worship Him. That is my internal posture towards Him. Not noisy striving, but quiet dependence. My wife and I went to the beach recently. 
and the weather was such that we could walk on the beach, but we could not swim in the ocean. And I was reminded, walking and running on the beach takes an incredible amount of effort. And I was also reminded of the contrast between that and between walking into the ocean and laying back and floating. That's the difference here in this song. It is the difference between running on the beach or floating on the ocean. The psalmist is able to say, I am able to stand before the intimidating mystery of God and float. Rest. Contentment. Satisfaction. How is that possible? How does that internal posture What makes that level of contentment possible? Well, here's the key question. Who's the mother? Who's the mother? If we're going to join this poet in this picture as as fat and happy babies, who's the mother in the picture? God is, right? God is the mother in this image, in this picture that the poet draws for us. He's saying this type of commit, of contentment is possible only when you trust that God loves you like this. That God loves you with the attentive, affectionate care. Of a mother with a nursing infant. That's how God loves you. Contentment and rest. This posture is only possible when we are convinced of that. One of the reasons I love this song is that in just a few words, it takes us to the extremities of God. God is not only mighty and wise beyond our understanding. He is also gentle and compassionate beyond our imagining. And that's not just, that's not just the picture of some rogue artist, some weird hippie poet in the book of Psalms. That is the consistent message of the Bible. Even Isaiah, who uses a whole lot more words in his poetry than we have here in Psalm 131. He gives us these great vistas of God's transcendence. Do you remember the vision from chapter 6? God on his throne, high and lifted up, the smoke of his presence filling the temple. And all Isaiah can do is fall down and say, I'm a man, woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips. God, great, transcendent, mighty, full of holiness and even wrath. But then in chapter 49 of his book, Isaiah gives us the words of God's people. Their world is falling apart and they scream out, God has forgotten us. And then he gives us the voice of God. And he says, 
forgotten you. Can a mother forget her nursing child? No, I have not forgotten you. I will never forget you. And we will be prepared for worship when we embrace those words for ourselves. When we become convinced that God loves us in that way, in a way that will be that could be compared to the gentleness and affection of a mother with her nursing baby. We will be prepared for worship. Not only when we humble ourselves before the mystery, but when we surrender ourselves to this kind of love. When we surrender ourselves to the possibility of this level of intimate communion with God. We will be prepared for worship when we come expecting to be fed with this kind of care. Can you accept that God loves you in this way? My son, Sam, he learned something else this Christmas. Thanks to his older siblings, he learned about the Grinch. And Christmas Eve was dominated not by the expectation of presents, not by the expectation of Santa coming. It was dominated by worry about this monster who was going to come and steal his presents. (laughs) And it seemed like nothing we could say would calm him down and get him to bed. We said, Sam, that's just a story. That's not real. There's, the Grinch isn't real. No one's going to come and steal your presents. Nothing would calm him down. And then the only thing that worked was when I said to him, Okay, Sam, if the Grinch comes, Daddy will chase him away. <laughs> and that worked. He was fine after that. <laughs> Why? He... He was quieted not by rationalizing away his fear. He was quieted by his trust in me. He was quieted by my love for him. Will you quiet yourself before the love of God? And here's the thing. You can come... To worship certain that God will feed you, that he will care for you. You can come to him expecting that because he came to you. He came to us and he came as an infant. He came as a helpless babe. You see, Jesus ultimately is the one who holds together the extremities of God. Powerful enough to to defeat disease. Compassionate enough to touch the leper. Powerful enough to calm the hurricane. Compassionate enough to multiply bread and fishes to feed a hungry crowd. Powerful enough 
to conquer death. Compassionate enough to suffer the death that we deserved because of our sin. Can you trust His love? Will you accept the love of God that exceeds even the greatest Father? Will you surrender your fear, your striving, your hungry dissatisfaction with life to the one who is not only like a mighty warrior, but is like a gentle mother with her nursing child? If you will, then you'll be ready for worship. Let's pray.